Welcome to another episode of my podcast, The Story of My Life. I'm your hostess, Sarah Adewalu. I'm 24 years old and I'm from Little Ferry, New Jersey, which if you're not familiar with, it's in Bergen County, the neighboring town between Hackensack and Teaneck. I am a graduate student at Montclair State University studying public relations. During my undergrad years, I was a journalism slash communications major with an emphasis in broadcast news media. Thank you for tuning in to episode 23 on Wednesday, October 13th at 1.17 p.m. I know that this has been quite some time now since I last did an episode, and I really want to apologize for that. Somehow I started getting all caught up with all kinds of stuff, school-related, of course. But I'm here now, and I'm glad to be doing this episode right now. Obviously, as you guys may know, a lot has changed in the past year since I've done an episode. And just to recap quickly, the last episode I did was about intersectionality, which was a topic that I discussed as part of a project for one of my classes that I previously took before COVID struck. Our instructor for the course initially wanted it to be more like a group project of four people, But because COVID happened and made everything remote, um, he had us do the project individually in the form of either a video or a podcast. And uh, since obviously you guys know me very well, you you know what I chose to do. (laughs) A podcast, of course. So that's when I decided to talk about intersectionality. And um, if you want to recap on that, just re-listen to the previous episode. It's available on Spotify and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. So be sure to tune into that whenever you can. And um, as you all know, your wonderful hostess here has been through a lot of amazing things within the past year. Um, So first off, one of the things I had to do was I had to retake that course last fall, which I been telling you guys about the journalism 180 course news production lab that was the only course that I needed to retake in order for me to like be eligible for my bachelor's and guess what I finally nailed it I finished it and here I am (laughs) yay me so I got the wonderful chance to walk at graduation this past June. It was held at the Sprague Field, the um, football field on right on campus. <laughs> so another double yay. <laughs> so I know that you guys must have seen my post on Instagram about being a proud member of the Montclair State University class of 2021. <laughs> 
And um, as of this past spring semester, I have officially become a graduate student at Montclair State. Um, I'm currently enrolled in the master's program offered by the School of Communication and Media, um, which is called Public and Organizational Relations, or just Public Relations for short. So this past spring was my first semester. And so right now this fall is my Sec currently my second semester. It's a two-year program, so I hope to be finished by next year fall. Um, so last semester was the first time that I took all three class remote classes at the same time. So all of the classes were remote, and they were all evening classes too. So it ranges from hours between 5.30 to 10.45. Yeah, super late, but thankfully though, at the same time, they were all remote. So I was just lucky enough to like log in from the comfort of my own home. So I had classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So two on Tuesdays and one on Thursdays. The first class on Tuesday lasted from 5.30 through 8, and the second one almost immediately after that, um, which was from 8.15 to 10.45. So, yeah, talk about being zoomed out as usual. <laughs> but eventually I got used to it. Um, Thursdays were my calmer days in terms of it just being only one class. And that was from 8.15 to 10.45, so it's still, like, super late in the evening, but at least it was just that one class. And so when I was registering for classes, I wanted to be sure that there weren't any that were super late, but my advisor, um, who's also the faculty in charge of the master's program, um, she told me that the class schedules are pretty flexible, so it's not always guaranteed that I'll actually find courses that aren't so late in the evening. Like, you know, if I can find some times that are a bit earlier, like during the day and not so late. But um, she explained that that's just how graduate level courses are scheduled at Montclair. So, um Unfortunately, there's really not much of anything I can do about it, but, you know, it is what it is, so. But for this semester, though, everything's in person. Um, Montclair State had to do, like, the COVID vaccine, that vaccine mandate, and, um, of course, I'm obviously vaccinated fully, so, and I think everyone else is, so I'm kind of relieved about it being every being in person for the first time because for me it kind of feels like a in eternity since I've physically last been on campus um during the past spring semester the only times I ever really went to campus was just sort of to like catch up on assignments in the computer labs at the SCM so the computer labs at the SCM they have Adobe pro products under on them, so that's what I've been using a lot of for some of my classes, for projects and things. So my Thursday class last semester was a course called Techniques of Visual Communication. And our instructor for the course required us to use Adobe InDesign, and 
other Adobe stuff like Photoshop and Premiere. And since I own a Windows 10 um, laptop, I don't really like have free access to Adobe products like I would on a, if people were using a MacBook or something. So unless I purchased a student plan, um, which I just did recently. So at the time, though, I didn't really purchase a student plan yet because um, I didn't have like enough money to do that so what I would do was um when the when the instructor was going over like things that we should do on InDesign again via zoom so what I would do is that I would open up Canva on my PC because Canva is kind of like what I use in replacement for InDesign and I just like follow along so I don't think the instructor was able to like care what we were doing so on our computers because it's kind of a weird course to be teaching through zoom but you know like I said it is what it is so and um during the week though I would like I would schedule lap time by um booking up booking um computer rooms from the SEM like I would like book for the rooms online so it's through a process of going to their website to like actually like book a rooms that you can use for the computers. Um, so the SEM has this room called the cage. That's what we nickname it. So the cage has electronics like cameras, tripods and other stuff for production and filmmaking. So every semester students have to fill out a loan agreement online that will give them permission to like borrow either the computer labs or borrow the camera and other digital equipment for and it's for a certain period of the period of time and I already filled out my loan agreement a long time ago so if necessary I'll be going to the computer labs if I feel the need to um, but then again I just purchased the Adobe student plan for on my own computer um which was about 1999 so that's pretty cheap so i did that so that i don't necessarily need to like physically like go down to the sem to like use their computer labs all the time that i can just like do it from the comfort of my own home and just open up adobe on my own computer so yeah and so Fortunately, I just had a wonderful job this summer that made it possible for me to like pay for the Adobe student plan. And so that's what this episode's going to be about. Um what I did this summer, um I hope it's not for me to say this, but I hope that all of you guys had an amazing summer as well and that you relaxed or able to like have fun and travel and be safe despite this COVID. Um, I know I certainly had a good time this summer because of my part-time part-time job at the YMCA. And um, this was now the second summer that I've worked so far. Um, the first time that I worked during the summer is going to be mentioned in another episode, not in this one, because I just want to focus on one topic at a time. So this summer for me, was sort of you know another typical summer in terms of like job hunting 
here and there and you know applying to a million places and of course getting ghosted as usual um at some point i considered shoprite um i even the shoprite that's like closest to me in self hackensack that is um so i even like got in touch with the manager like via phone um i asked him if there were any like available positions um I told him that I applied specifically for the position of bagger and um, he told me that um, he, there weren't very um, available openings for it at the time because I first applied to ShopRite back in April and so it was just this summer that I followed up with them and asked him about that and he said that he'll get back to me um, um, if anything comes up about it. about you know, for the bagger position, and if not for bagger, then maybe for, like, cashier or clerk or something, so, yeah, and, uh, even to this very moment in time, um, I've heard nothing but crickets from him, so, um, I'll just assume that he ghosted me as usual, and, um, besides, I figure that working as a bagger at ShopRite would be kind of demanding, you know, it's gonna be pretty demanding, like with the workload and such so I feel like I may have dodged a bullet with that one so a blessing in disguise I guess <coughs> sorry um so I I then also reconsidered the YMCA of Greater Bergen County um which is right in my town in Hackensack yeah Bergen County yeah I have applied to them at least once or twice before um I definitely applied to them last year during COVID, you know, for the position of summer camp counselor. Um, but obviously because of COVID, they said that their summer camps were closed down. So, yeah, I, I'm aware of summer camps that have been closed down because of COVID and including the first summer camp that I worked at three summers ago. Um, again, that that going to be mentioned in another episode this episode is just about the summer camp position at the ymca so and also this episode is about just what i did this summer besides getting my ba in journalism again yay me <laughs> um so this summer was my first time ever working for the ymca so this was a very new experience for me I got to know a few of the other counselors and staff members and some of the peer counselors are just about a few years younger than me and at least two or three of them were like closer to me in age. I know this one male counselor, he's about a year younger than me so <laughs> yeah. So for most of us it was a also a new experience but a few weeks too. A few weeks prior to actually starting the position, I had a Zoom interview with the woman who's the supervisor and like the primary head and director of the camp. The camp, which is known as Camp Oratum, which is located in Harriman, Sta Harriman State Park in New York. And it has a very beautiful view of the lake. Um, I'm going <laughs> to, hopefully I don't butcher the name of the lake, um, but I'll try my best to pronounce it um it's called lake kanawaki um it has a sort of an awkward spelling to it but um 
again, hopefully I didn't butcher its pronunciation. Um, I, de I never did learn how to like pronounce the name of the lake, but it's a very large lake. Um, I wasn't sure exactly how deep or wide it was, but I know that like within the river, because you could go fishing in the river, and fishing was one of the activities we did at camp and again I ain't I don't know crap about fishing but that was some of the one of the activities that the campers everyone took part in um so so that lake I believe was about 12 feet deep if I can guess in terms of swimming and fishing and so Camp Oratom is a day camp for campers who are between the grades two and seven so that's like I, I guess kindergartners too, um, so I guess 7th graders would count as 13 or 14 year olds. Um, and so since I personally have a good background in working with younger kids who are at least kindergarten aged, so I chose this camp specifically and I was assigned to two groups of campers um, throughout camp and so... After my interview with the woman who's the camp director, um, she immediately offered me the position um, because she said at the time the camp was still kind of understaffed and so they were still seeking more counselors and staff to fill up the positions. And so, like I said before, the why, they just reopened their summer camps so I can see how COVID might have made things a little bit loopy and weird for them and might have thrown things off for them so in terms of employment so I was really 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 desperate for a job so I immediately said yes um but for some reason though my parents didn't want me to go through with the position at first um because that's that was when I told them that the day camp was actually stationed in New York but that the YMCA office itself is actually here in the state, but the day camp is actually there in New York. So I guess that's where the, that's what started to things off, threw things off for them. Like they got a little freaked out, like started making a big deal out of nothing. So, so I did my best to convince them that I really needed this, this, this job because now I was going to literally go through another summer without a job or doing much of anything at all. And I know you guys probably like worked part time or something. And so I felt like I was going to do much of anything this summer if they didn't want me to like do anything. So you guys know that I'm still looking for full time work within like journalism, um, communications and media and stuff. So. I mean, I guess my dad just wanted me to focus on that, like, you know, but at the same time, though, it's like, it doesn't matter if I can't, like, find anything full-time within, my, like, my field yet, like, if I have a part-time job and doing at least something, like, anything at all, it, I mean, at least it's better than nothing, because I feel like it'll look good on my resume if I included that I just had an another recent job experience. Um, since my summer camp job like three years ago, which again will be mentioned in another episode, not this one, 
Um, I haven't really had much luck finding any other part-time job over the summers, so I wasn't really going to waste this summer by doing nothing productive at all, so I felt like this would be my one and only chance of ever having a productive summer, like meeting new people and I guess making connections and getting out of the freaking house for once instead of just constantly staying indoors, locked inside all day and just going for boring walks and such like this was something I really needed to do and I convinced my mom and dad of that and I was standing my ground like I wasn't gonna let them make decisions for me anymore like I told them I was gonna be very upset if they I, they didn't let me like do this job and you know of course they eventually like changed their mind they gave in and they let me do it um so I mean I understand their concern like why they were freaking out it's like how was I and all the other counselors and staff going to get to the camp in New York? And so this is going to answer their question. The YMCA provides school bus transportation for us counselors and staff to get from the YMCA office building in Hackensack to the actual campsite in Rockland County. So that's about a 40 minute bus drive. Um, so not really a whole lot of traffic to deal with. So we, ha we have a total of four buses altogether that will each that will transport all of the counselors and every group of campers from different age ranges. So all four of the buses follow one another's route um, going the exact same way to that campsite in New York. And um Obviously, as you guys may or may not know, I don't drive yet and I don't really have like a permit or a license yet. So my dad is the one who mostly gives me rides everywhere. And so he gave me rides. He gave me rides to the Y in the mornings. And um, he came to pick me up in the afternoons, like once the sh shift was over. Since my mom was always at work as usual, um... She works as a school nurse at a public school in the Bronx, so it was my dad mostly giving me rides. And so, yeah, that was that. Um, but before the actual, like, first day of camp, though, <coughs> sorry, <laughs> my throat is sore, um, I had to complete some online orientation courses that had topics regarding safety at camp and there were a lot of topics, but one of the most important topics was child sexual abuse prevention. And so I thought that was a very important course topic to take. And so I was, as I was taking that course and a bunch of other courses, I had to learn about the code of conduct for the Y, um, you know, just because it's a very popular organization and it's such a household name and it emphasizes four core values of its organization, um, so which are caring, respect, responsibility, and honesty. Those are the four main core values of the YMCA. And so the Code of Conduct states, um, states the importance of ethical behavior that staff, counselors, and even volunteers have to adhere to when it comes to like working with kids. And um, so one important guideline is that under no circumstances should there be any form of like inappropriate behavior like 
with kids or around them or using any pro- inappropriate language like swearing or whatnot. Um, obviously no violence, like no like sexual assault, no abuse towards the children or anything. So um, yeah, and another rule of theirs is that we should never leave kids unsupervised at any time. Like even like when it comes to bathroom breaks, at the summer campsite in Rockland County, um, the counselors and I were taught that we should always take the campers on bathroom breaks in groups of two to four people. So sometimes it would be either two or more counselors with one camper or one counselor with two or more campers in a group planning for restroom breaks or water breaks. So. The code of conduct states that one counselor should never be alone with only one camper for bathroom or water breaks. So, you know, I'll take myself for ex- as for an example, like I, me as one counselor, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be alone with just only one camper, you know, unsupervised by other campers or other counselors. So... The reason why the Y emphasizes that is that they want to reduce the opportunity for child sexual abuse or any other inappropriate behavior. So it would never be just me with only just one camper. It always has to be myself, another counselor, and another counselor with one camper. Or in most of the other cases, it was just only myself with at least my entire group of campers. So it was never one-on-one. So that is a unique code of conduct, but um, it's very essential. So what we would do in terms of bathroom breaks is that if one camper needed to use the bathroom, I would ask that camper to find a buddy or a partner who would escort them with them. So even if that other camper does not have to use the bathroom or get a water break, that that partner would just be the one escorting the camper who actually needed to use the bathroom. And so that's what I would do with my group of campers. Um, in most cases, I was the sole counselor for my group of six to seven campers. So if, if I didn't have like any other, like, if I couldn't find another counselor to like briefly watch my campers for other campers for a minute, I would just take my whole group of six to seven campers for a bathroom or water break. And so in some cases, if I was fortunate enough to find another counselor to watch over the rest of my campers, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we're all just, we are very good employees and we were very good at doing what we did. It's just, we were just sticking to the guidelines. So we didn't want to like have any like cases of sexual abuse or with the, with the children and such. So that wasn't very like popular at all. That didn't really occur at all, but it was just their code of ethics that we just needed to abide by. And so yeah, because it was a summer camp, we just only had the weekends off. Because, you know, it's just like regular summer school, but at a camp setting. So, unfortunately, we did not have the 4th of July off, um, which I believe was on a Monday. Um, so, my mom was hosting a family barbecue that day, and she got, like, a really weird and stupid idea in her mind that I should just take that day off. It, 
quote unquote and just stay home for the barbecue because that was supposed to be an all day kind of family event and I told her that I literally couldn't take that day off um, because the Y has a code of conduct too in, in regards to like absences like unless it's for like medical emergencies or something like we can't really like take off for a vacation or any other reason and so obviously a family barbecue wouldn't <coughs> line up as the wise like <coughs> valid excuse for absence so i told her about that i explained that to her in simple human words that i had to go like even if a lot of campers didn't show up and yeah a lot of campers actually did not show up that day and I forgot how many other campers were in my group at the time um I think at the time though I wasn't sure exactly which group that I was doing I think I was still part of a girls group that I was counseling over um but anyway though in general a lot of campers and most other people's groups didn't actually show up but only like a good few number of them did um we told the parents that friday prior that you know we didn't have the monday off but the campers if they chose to they could come to camp on monday so that monday actually ended up being like more of an easygoing relaxing day very less chaotic from like any any other regular day so yeah, I did go to work that day, of course. Um, my mom eventually, like, saw the significance of this for me. Like, um, she understood that that I could go back to work. And that, obviously, the barbecue would still be there when I came back. So, yeah. Yeah, that was it. So, <clears throat> so in general, though, um, as counselors and staff... We always had to report to the Y, like the actual building itself, at 7.45. So I got to give myself some credit for making it each day to wake up very goddamn early. But, you know, it's worth it because, like, I really, truly needed this job. And so at around 7.50, um, the woman who's our supervisor, she would have a brief staff meeting with us so to, like, go over ground rules with us about how our schedule with our group of campers would go like in terms of activities and how things would format and every thursdays sh every thursdays during lunchtime she would also have like hold like meetings for us first in the order of like all the lifeguards and then the the medical staff and then us counselors um, each person at a time first and just to go over ground rules with us about ways that we can do better in terms of like our campers like how to discipline them if they're like acting up and how to help the campers if they were forgetting stuff like forgetting their belongings make making sure they didn't like forget their snacks or lunches or whatnot and for counselors who are dealing with like teenage kids like the older kids like sixth or seventh graders like sort of activities for them so those are the things she would talk about with us during our thursday meetings at lunch so and also in terms of like activities and events planned during the week like how to like help our campers in each of our groups prepare for those events and activities so every week at the y 
at camp. Um, there are always like events and activities organized for us and and our supervisor would give us advice on how to help our campers prepare for those events. So one of the main events at the Y is the famous color war event. So that's sort of like Olympics in a way. And the main colors of Camp Oratom are blue and white. And so in the rec hall and every areas around camp, you would see like papers and artwork designed for color wars over the years all the way from like the 70s and up until like recent years so that's color wars again the colors are blue and white so some of the for so at camp you were either on team blue or team white and um if my memory serves i believe it was the blue team that won this year i mean i could be wrong but then again, it's been weeks since I last worked for the Y, but yeah, I'll just make a guess and say that the blue team won. If I find out that the white team actually won, then I just say the white team won, but I forgot who won, but someone did. <laughs> and um, and then in regards to our Y routine, at 8 a.m. on the dot, um, we were still at the gym though, but we would open up the doors for campers and their parents and their family members so that the parents slash the guardian members of the campers could start signing them in to their respective groups. Okay, so I'm going to like talk about myself in this is that for the first two and a half week of first two and a half weeks of camp, I believe um, my supervisor advised me assigned me, I mean, to a a group of young girls who are between the ages of seven through nine. And so that group is called Girls One. And so for short, we call them G1. So that was a group of all girls, 11 girls only. And um, I said, I would say that I liked it a lot because, you know, as a girl myself, I feel like I could relate to these young girls. And so I was assigned G1. And so from that first hour from 8 o'clock to about 8.30ish, um, we as counselors, we would start signing in these campers as they were going into their groups. So for these girls in my G1 group, I would sign them in. I mean, I mean their parents would be the ones to sign their names, on, sign their initials onto my roster list of all these girls names so so that would be under the YMCA copy so that's the copy that the parents would include their signatures and we're turn turning that copy to one of our other supervisors before we could like line up for busing to getting ready for the buses and so so that's for the record of the campers' arrival at camp and their attendance. And some of the campers usually have before care. So that's before like actual camp. So they were usually like present before like uh, camp counselors would be in because before care is sort of like after care. And yeah, even, even after at the end of the day, some campers had aftercare. So we always had to confirm if they had 
hack aftercare or not and we always have to make sure that every single camper was always accounted for at the end of the day like we couldn't just like leave without knowing where they are so we always had to be be mindful of that and that could be included in the, in the records if that camper had before care we would write down bc to show that they were there early for before care and at the end of the day though if they were staying afterwards for aftercare, we would write on our um ymca copy and counselor copy that they had aftercare. so yeah and um when it got to be about 8 25 ish we would start rounding up our campers to like line up for the buses outside the front of the y and so usually at this time, a few more campers would start to arrive and we consider that pretty late because we did have to get to the bus by certain times. But if we still had the attendance sheet, again, the Y copy of it in our hands, then we just we would just quickly sign them in. And um, most of the time I would turn in my attendance sheet a little bit early before a few more campers in my group would show up. Um, so, but that's why usually when we actually arrive at the campsite in New York, we get an office copy sheet of the attendance of the campers. So that would confirm that they were actually present on the buses because the campers would actually like arrive to camp and then just quickly like get on the buses if we were starting to load the buses. So when we get to the actual campsite in New York, we would just send in the office copy to show that Okay, so they didn't physically make it to the Y, but they were they were actually present on the bus. So we would never want to like mark them absent if they were actually here, because it goes in the records to show if they were here, if they were just a little tardy. So yeah, yeah, because our supervisor, um, she has her office in the in the camp area, so. We were turning the office copy to give her the records that most of the campers who showed up late they were they were on the bus and and our supervisor herself she's actually from that particular area I think she's from Slotsburg yeah and one of her daughters serves as one of the lifeguards the certified lifeguards who was in charge of teaching swimming to all of the campers, every camper of every age group in all groups. And so, and so aside from the YMCA um, attendance sheet and the, I mean the YMCA copy of the attendance sheets and the office copies, we counselors were required to have the counselor copies of our, of our, campers names because it helps us to like know more about who they are and to just to confirm that everyone is there or if someone is absent that we will confirm that that camper was absent so I feel like that was definitely helpful for me since I'm pretty terrible at remembering people's names so that helped me better and I always did a head count every now and then just to be sure that everyone who should be in my group is in the group or if someone's absent just to confirm that they're absent so yeah and as usual I had my moments where I was pretty confused about a lot of stuff like on the very first day of camp, I actually did not bring my lunch with me because I literally had no idea that counselors and campers had to bring their own lunch to camp. The summer camp, which I worked at three years ago, um, lunch was always provided for us. 
you know, it's just like sandwiches and other cold lunch. But, I mean, at least it was better than nothing. I didn't know that the Y didn't offer lunches to anybody. And I didn't know that I had to bring my own lunch. So, what the assistant supervisor did was fix me a sandwich. Which I believe was PB&J, I don't remember. But with a set of potato chips and such. And the assistant supervisor usually fixes lunches or snacks for campers, and I guess for me, counselors, for or anyone who forgot to bring lunch or snack with them, so that nobody ever goes hungry at camp. And so after that day, I learned a very important lesson that I must always make my own lunch for camp and bring it with me, and which I always did. So yeah. In terms of like the schedule of activities planned for the campers, I was always a bit confused by that for the first few days like because I didn't know that the schedule was in front of me and I had to follow it exactly so when I was in charge of like the girls one group they would often ask me questions about their next activity like what are we gonna do now and stuff like that and <laughs> I literally had no idea that I needed to follow that schedule exactly so it was usually like um, arts and crafts first or something else and I didn't know that I had to follow that schedule exactly but you know as the day went days went by I eventually started getting the hang of it and you know I was more aware of the schedule I was more aware of the timing of how how long they had for each activity and so that's when I learned to start asking more questions about things like where where certain things are located around the camp. Um, because Camp Oratom is a pretty large area. It's like so deeply like invested in the woods. So it's so deep in the woods. But the best part about it was at least there are lots of trees up in the main cabin. Up in the main nature cabin. So the trees are everywhere. Like they would cover up like the sun and everything. So we were give us the impression that we were under the shades a lot like especially on very hot days like we could sit underneath the shades and such so yeah so that was helpful and around the camp there were also a few cabin areas so it's assigned by different camper groups and so that's where all the campers could go get changed into their clothes like and when it goes comes for swimming, which is every day, that's where the campers could change into their swimsuits in within those cabins. And so when they get changed for swimming lessons, that's what they would do. And by the end of the day, though, they camp before it's over. They have to go back to the changing rooms to change back into their actual regular clothes. And um, I've had my fair share of seeing insects, seeing lots of ants and bugs and flies. Most of the campers, usually the younger ones, they would get like pretty <laughs> freaked out by even a slight spot of an insect, you know, like a spider or a daddy long legs type. And I myself have learned a thing or two about certain insects. So I learned that daddy long legs are actually pretty harmless <laughs> so yeah it's always the more you know so i too have gotten a few mosquito bites here and there um mostly on my legs 
So that's why I always bought my bug spray with me, even if I sometimes forget to use it. Um, I also brought sunscreen that my mom gave me that I could use so that my skin doesn't get all like sensitive to extreme sunlight. Um, but my mom also advised me to start wearing longer pants instead so that I wouldn't get any more like mosquito bites anywhere on my legs because we're just so deeply located in the woods and rocks and everywhere. So. So, yeah, I wore longer pants all through the rest of the summer, and so I never did get any more mosquito bites after that. And along the way, I've learned a lot of interesting facts about nature, and that was actually one of the activities planned for campers. It's called Nature Cabin, so... That's where nature specialists within the Y, they would come to camp and teach weekly lessons about stuff relating to nature, such as insects and different types and um, colors of leaves and how they sort of impact nature. So just pretty like cool, interesting science stuff that you would learn back in elementary school. And as counselors, we always had to make sure that the campers were paying attention to these lessons and like taking part in them even if they thought it was a little bit boring we just had to make sure they were paying attention so yeah besides nature lessons other like fun activities around camp for all campers um that in included fishing um boating which also i didn't know <laughs> crap about you know riding on the boat paddling and such but yeah and also besides swimming, there's the challenge course where you have to like stand on a piece of wood or something and try to balance it out. It's fun. So there's all there was also bike riding, scavenger hunts, arts and crafts, and all that wonderful stuff. If any other activity comes to my mind during all this, I'll just quickly mention it. Um, there's also like regular recess-like activities like jump rope. Um, playing with chalks, playing in the sand by the beach. Um, there's hopscotch, there's blowing bubbles, and playing with the sprinklers on days when it's super hot and humid. So, yeah, a way for, like, everyone to, like, get wet and cool off. And also, these activities included, like, weekly events. I know that during, sometime during July, like, in the middle of July, we did, like, a Halloween type of event all through the week and so the campers were the ones who had to dress up in whatever costume that they wanted as long as it was appropriate for camp and didn't like include any weapons or anything and for that one day though the Y hosted like a haunted house type of event at camp so the campers would go inside the recreation recreation hall that's where we held it, the recreation hall at camp so that's where we put all the sports and game equipment, like all the balls, the hula hoops, the jump ropes. So they re they designed that place for, they designed that rec hall for the Halloween event by turning it into sort of like a haunted house kind of thing. So the older campers would are the ones who are like reenacting it, like playing dead people, playing the role of dead campers who died from because they refused to listen to their counselors and so that was scary enough to make all the younger campers be spooked enough 
so they could like literally run out of the rec hall screaming <laughs> i thought it was hilarious but it was a fun event though yeah i was like literally laughing my ass off the whole time i mean i was a little teeny bit scared but i knew it was just acting i just wanted them to like feel the halloween spirit like the actual halloween spirit but you know they ended up getting some actual candy like they would normally do on halloween so that was a fun time and um i believe it was sometime during the third week of camp um that was when my supervisor um decided to switch me from the girls one group to another young group of campers known as Kahagan. So Kahagan was the age, youngest age group of campers, um, the youngest camper bunch at the Y. And so that was a mixture of both boys and girls between the ages of five and six. So, they're about kindergarten age, and I assume that most of them are in kindergarten right now, as we're speaking. So, the youngest camper in Kahagan was a four-year-old boy who was just so adorable. Yeah, I know I really shouldn't be saying it out loud, but, um, it's true, he is really cute. <laughs> and he's black, just like me. <laughs> and, um... He told us that he's going to be turning five in December, <laughs> which makes him all the more adorable. Um, but unfortunately, though, he turned out to be pretty sensitive, like in terms of the fact that he's still very young. And like whenever we would play a game or an activity or something, he would get upset very easily and he'd cry if he like lost a, lost at a game or something. And one of the games that we would play was Duck Duck Goose and he would usually cry if he wasn't like picked or if someone picked him then he thought that meant he lost the game or something so I feel bad for him because then he would start crying. And then all of us would take turns comforting him and we would tell him like buddy it's okay to lose you know it's just a game like we're only playing these games to have fun but you know it's just so cute you know even when he cries he's so adorable oh my god. And um, ironically enough, he shares the exact same name as another boy in the same Kahagan group. Only that other boy is was about a year or so older. But both their names were spelled a little bit differently. So they both, they both share the same name, just spelled differently. So I figured that both of these boys were just so damn cute. But then again, they all are. Everyone in Kahagan is adorable. Yeah. And excuse me as I just take a quick water break here. My throat is like literally acting up. I'll be right back in a few, y'all. Sorry about that. I just needed a quick water break. And yeah, so as, as I was saying before, um, it took me just like a day or two to get used to the idea of being the new counselor for Kahagan. But, you know, as time went on, I learned to enjoy it and... I really got to, got used to the idea of working with younger boys. Um, so Kahagan is known as being the largest camp group um, in the Y um, because it usually has as many as 27 campers, like almost close to 30. Um, I'm not 100% sure if that's actually like close to 30 or more, but yeah, so how it works with Kahagan is that 
<laughs> thank God though I'm not the only counselor for that entire 27 camps. But for Kahagan, what they do is that they split it up into four different color groups. Um, so four groups like blue, green, red, and yellow. So I did stick with Kahagan for the rest of the summer. It's just that um, every two weeks, which was the start of every new session, because there were four sessions within the Y camp, um, summer camp, um, um, I was just, um, uh, I was just assigned different colors for different sessions, so, so within, like, yeah, the entire camp was broken up into four different sessions, and at the beginning of each session, um, there would always be like new incoming campers and signed to particular different camps. Not just at Kahagan, but like different camps. So girls one, girls two, the older group. And so within Kahagan, there would be different campers assigned within different colors. At the end of an old session, which was always on a Friday, um, former campers would leave. Which would be a sad goodbye if it was their last day at camp in general. And so Monday was always the be beginning of a new session. So that would help us counselors introduce ourselves to the new incoming campers. So for Kahagan specifically, um, when I was first assigned to Kahagan, I was in charge of the green group. And so within each color group in Kahagan, was about seven or eight campers so that made it fairly easy for not only me but also the other three counselors doing the other different colors so after a few weeks into being the new counselor for Kahagan I decided to stay permanently with the blue group so certain days though the other Kahagan counselors and I would alternate between each different color so I wasn't I wasn't just with green the whole entire time so I mean I started with the green team but then I eventually like for a while was in charge of the red group and then the yellow group and then eventually I settled down with being with the blue group every single camper in all groups would go swimming no matter what So, I know that within Kahagan, since they're the youngest of the age groups, whenever it came time for swimming lessons, I know that most of them would feel pretty antsy about going into the water. Um, and there had been some days in which some campers within Kahagan didn't feel like swimming for whatever reason. Like, if they were feeling sick or something, or... I know that sometimes they tend to forget things at home in general. Like, if they ever, like, forgot their swimsuits at home, we wouldn't make them go swimming at all if they didn't have, like, any other spare clothes because we couldn't let them go swimming in just their regular clothes and shoes and being all wet with it, so. But in general, though, if they didn't, weren't really, like, up in the mood for going swimming for whatever the hell the reason is, um... Any other counselor who's around the beach area at the time, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be me, but it was me in some of the few cases, but 
some someone would have to like stay with the camper or campers who weren't in the mood to go swimming or didn't want to participate in the swimming at the time so every day all of the campers every single camper in all groups would go swimming twice each day every single day because in the mornings it would be more of an instructional style type of swimming so the lifeguards would be the ones providing swimming lessons to campers like the moves like how to like like hold their breath underwater like and that's sort of this important swimming styles that the campers had to learn um so in fact though at the end of each session of camp which is approximately two weeks each the campers would receive a paper that stated progress notes about their swimming so we as campers counselors would show the campers parents their progress reports for the campers swimming so their parents could see if their children were improving their in their swimming or not and so that little boy in Kahagan, the youngest member in the group who i said was adorably cute <laughs> He was sort of reluctant at times to go swimming, like both in terms of instructionally and for fun. And so sometimes we would try to persuade him or even trick him into getting into the water, especially on days where it was like extremely hot and humid, which I know there was a lot of this summer. So we always try to make sure that everyone was in the water and try to cool off. That boy, he would always say that he didn't like the water, but, you know, he's not really that bad of a swimmer at all. Like, he is actually a pretty good swimmer in general. Like, you know, he just has his little kid moments of, like, he doesn't feel like going into the water for whatever the reason is. And so he would usually like to stay behind on the beach and just play in the sand while most of the other campers were out swimming. And that boy's mom would tell us to do our best to make sure he does get into the water because he does need to improve his swimming and so that's what we do we usually would trick him to go swimming and sometimes when we trick him he'd end up like enjoying the water and just you know end up having fun so yeah that's what we want so in the afternoons though for the second time of swimming we would call that period free swim in which all campers and all groups would go swimming for fun with floating devices with noodles and just be assigned buddies or partners to be to be sitting next to with before they go into the water and so the noodles would help these campers as they were swimming so they don't like accidentally drown or something so yeah even i myself try to get a little bit wet but you know just to cool off especially in like hot humid days um my mom brought me like two pieces of swimsuit that I could wear to camp just in case I wanted to like skinny dip a little. Not actually like physically swim in the water because obviously I can't swim and I was never really much of a swimmer. Most of the time some of the campers would ask me if I was going into the water uh, just because I changed into to my swimsuit. And um, you know I would tell them. Uh, no, I'm not going into the water. I'm just putting my feet in, you know, just to cool off. And and every day I always wear my swimsuit underneath my YMCA shirt that was given to us and my long pants to avoid mosquito bites. And um, my flip-flops that I put in, that I brought with me 
and put in my work bag. Um, the work bag is really just a red bag that I got from Montclair State where I put my personal belongings like my towel, my bug spray, my sunscreen and everything. And um, speaking of YMCA shirts, all our supervisors gave us counselors three camp shirts, two in blue and one in red. The red one was the first one that they gave out to us, which was extra large for all of us staff. But as for the blue ones, they were based on our actual sizes, so I got medium sized, so I thought it felt really good to wear those shirts at camp. They're also in like a few other different colors of the shirts, like there's ones in white, like some of the other counselors wore. And I know that a few of the counselors wore the same shirt in like a dark shade of red, but for me, I just got the red and blue ones. And I, and I know you guys must have seen that iconic picture of me on my Instagram wearing my swimsuit. And that got a lot of likes and I'm surprised at how many likes it got. Um, I thought that was the best selfie I ever took. You know, just because it was the last day of camp. Like the actual last day of camp at the time. And I actually like got into the water but... You know, I was just walked. I didn't, like, actually swim. Because, you know, again, I was not really much of a swimmer. Um, cause, you know, I suck at swimming. I have taken a few lessons of it when I was little. But for some reason, I was always, like, scared of the water. So I'm not sure if I ever really had a time to, like, ever relearn again. But, yeah. So the daily schedule for the camp was... There six periods all together so periods one through three in the morning um until 12 o'clock in the afternoon which was lunchtime and then from 12 to 1 that is lunchtime and then after one o'clock that's periods four through six and that would last until about 3 30 ish because that's the time that the bus drivers for the all four of the buses would arrive at camp and get ready for us to be loaded into the buses to make it back to the Y by quarter to five-ish. So yeah, it was a scheduled thing. So within the sixth period, we would always get our campers ready because if they had like swim that final period, we would always have to get them to change back to their regular clothes and gather all their things together and and then use that time to prepare for the buses by waiting for them to uh, be loaded for us to line up and to actually get into them. And of course, not a day of camp would go by when a camper didn't forget anything or lose anything. Almost every day, someone was always forgetting something, which was more so common in the younger age campers, mostly in Cahagan. Because in Cahagan, the... Almost every camper usually left something behind, whether it was in the changing room areas within their cabin, whether it was their lunch or their snack, their lunch bo lunch boxes, and all that wonderful stuff. So what we would do though is that before we actually leave for the buses, we'd have like few counselors quickly scour certain areas around the camp, like the bathrooms, the changing rooms, or anything, and even check out the lost check in the lost and found box at the dining hall of the camp where we 
eat our lunches and snacks and try to see if there's some missing items and recover those items so that the campers could claim those items if anything belonged to theirs. So, yeah, on the buses to camp and going back home from camp, before we actually, like, got off, get off the buses, we again would scour the floors and everywhere just to see if someone was missing something, like towels or backpacks or something. And, of course, 99% of the time, there were usually stuff left behind. Since some of the kids tended to eat on the buses for whatever reason, and some of them would accidentally leave their lunchboxes behind or forget their drinks or whatever. In general, though, we usually discourage campers from eating on the buses um, because they were pretty young, and that's for Kahagan. Um, so the younger they were, the messier they would be in terms of leaving crumbs and stuff on the floor. So that's why we would ask them if they want to eat on the buses. They kind of could, but just they need to clean up for themselves. Like, we counselors can't do it for them. They have to be the ones to do it for themselves because they're old enough to like eat on the bus they clearly are old enough to like clean up after themselves so that all all the buses could be nice and neat instead of like dirty with their stuff all over the floor and the Y itself also has a lost and found box so usually once we re return back to the Y um we would have the parents of the campers go through the lost and found and try to see if their children were missing stuff like towels or items of clothing or lunch boxes, masks, toys. You know, believe it or not, some of the campers actually lost some of their clothing and such. We know that the campers were given camp t-shirts as well, which were usually green in color for the campers. So. A few of the campers have lost their green camp shirts, so that would often be recovered in the lost and found, and yeah. Sometimes some of the missing items would be recovered within days or so, like within the next day or so, and other times some items just remain flat out missing, you know, like toys and such, because, you know, kids and toys. So there was this young girl, though, who was formerly in Kahagan for a certain two-week session. I don't remember exactly what session that was, but she was not in my group at all. Um, that's what I know for sure. She was not in my group because I was, in, I was still in charge of blue at the time. And for this girl, I think she was like in either red or green or maybe yellow, but she was not in my group at all. And, I think she's a Muslim just because of the way she dressed, but anyway, at some point though, I think she lost her lunchbox on the one of the buses at some point. Um, again, I was not her counselor for her particular group. Um, I wasn't even exactly sure what her lunchbox looked like, but um, her father, as he came to pick her up, like to sign her out, um, he made that a word to like some of the supervisors and cog and counselors that his daughter lost her lunchbox. And um, one of the assistant supervisors had tried to contact the bus companies to try to see describe the lunchbox to them. And neither of the bus drivers could recall seeing that lunchbox anywhere. So I think that girl's lunchbox is lost for good. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I feel kind of bad though, cause, cause you know it sucks to lose a lunchbox. But um, fortunately for that girl, I think that was her last full week at camp. So um, I'm not entirely sure whatever really happened to her lunchbox. But yeah, you know, some of the parents did tend to be a bit carried away or a little bit agitated when some of their children's missing items didn't like turn up after a day or two. So as counselors, we too did our best to like try to search for these items to try to retrieve them. Um, I mean, I know I certainly did my best. Um, um, I know that I probably may have recovered at least 20 or more missing items within Kahagan, like within Kahagan campers in general, like including in particularly my own team, Team Blue. I recovered some of their missing stuff. Um, but things like toys are the items that tend to be unaccounted for for a while of time because Kahagan campers were pretty usually pretty reckless when it came to their toys because they were constantly throwing their stuff at each other at like on the buses and such um so we would always warn them to be very careful with their toys because once those toys are gone like you know that's it like there literally is no getting it back that and also, in general, um, one of the number one rules on the buses was that kids aren't, not only were, weren't they, were they not allowed to be on the buses, but no one should really be throwing stuff at each other or anything at all. No one should, rules of the buses included, none of the campers should be hitting each other, which they usually did a lot. Like, no screaming, no fighting, no bullying, and all that amazing stuff. But somehow, Kahagan campers seem to always break all these rules at once, pretty much every single day. Some days, if they were, like, being so bad with, like, their toys, I would ask them to, like, give me their toys and hold on to it so that they wouldn't lose their toys and wouldn't like end up somewhere they couldn't find it and other times though those toys would just like magically disappear and of course to this day i don't think those toys have ever been recovered because they were just that reckless with them like throwing it around and hitting each other with it so i don't know i would say that the biggest challenge in camp in general is like to get campers to be nice to one another like one of my counselor said that every single day at camp for Kahagan is like a reality TV show with these kids and you know she's right about that it was literally like a reality drama show with these kids like especially for me like even within my own group team blue like he's because you know not a single day goes by in which someone didn't tell on someone for hitting them punching them or fighting with them or calling them names or all that amazing stuff so <laughs> As you guys know, as you guys who work with kids know, like, kids tend to, like, tell on each other a lot for even, like, the littlest of reasons, and, you know, sometimes it kind of annoyed me, because they would tell me, like, so-and-so did this to me, or so-and-so did that to me, and I would ask them, can you tell me that person's name, and, like, you know, they would say that they forgot the other person's name, and, like, I'm, like, I I literally can't help you at all if you don't know this person's name. Because, you know, at camp, it's important for campers to learn not only each other's names, but also the camp, camp counselor's names. I know that little 
adorable boy, that four-year-old boy. He sometimes forgets my name. He, when he wants to talk to me or ask me something, he always goes, excuse me. And then I would say to him, what's my name? I would ask him to address me by my name. And then one of the other campers would whisper to him my name. And one of them would, other campers would say, it's Miss Sarah, of course. That's how all my campers address me as Miss Sarah. Even all the girls and girls one who I had been the camp counselor of, they would address me as Miss Sarah. So I would like my campers to address me by my name. And this little boy eventually did know my name eventually. And he always addressed me as Miss Sarah. And that's what I wanted for him to call me by my name. Because that was super important. So, yeah. And even in Team Blue, though, there was this one other boy who sometimes tends to forget the other campers' names. And I tell him the same thing. I can't help you if you don't know their names. So, do learn their name and I can maybe I can help you. And so, in terms of, like, resolving conflict in general within campers, I felt like maybe I could be a bit better because... Everyone seems to have their bad days once in a while, so... The drama would be even more prominent when it came to swimming. Because while the Cahagan campers would wait their turn to go for their swimming lessons, they would sort of spend a little bit of time on the beach, like playing with the sand, like trying to build sand castles or something. And that's usually when things get pretty hectic between them. Um, the number one general rule of the beach was that Kids were not allowed to be kicking sand or throwing sand at each other. Because when you throw sand around, it feel, I feel like it tends to get into your face and like directly into your eyes. And some, some of the campers ha have complained that sand had actually gotten into their eyes because someone may have accidentally got, got sand into their eyes. And yeah, most of the time it was accidents. So, yeah. Yeah, most of the time when sand got into other people's eyes, it would be an accident. I think maybe a little bit, bit of a speck of sand actually got into one of my eyes because some of the kids accidentally like would kick or throw them around because they were trying to make sand castles and such. And yeah, most of the time the sand throwing or accidents. Like some of the kids just don't mean to. That's why we discourage them not to throw or kick anything around because someone could get seriously hurt in their eye for that. But, like, in a few rare cases, the sand throwing was deliberate. Because, you know, at the time, though, those kids would sort of be at odds with each other for whatever reason. And just, you know, out of revenge, they would just, like, <laughs> throw the sand at each other. I, I know it's, I shouldn't be laughing at that. But the more I think about it now, the more it's actually kind of hilarious. But when they deliberately, when they do that deliberately, like, throwing the sand at each other, we would give them time out for that. And um, we actually did do that. That um, There were two boys um, that did that to each other. Um, and we had to give them both time out for that. Um, they were both deliberately throwing sand at each other. Just because at the time, though, they were having like some sort of argument about whatever... They were fighting about something. I don't, I don't really remember what it was. but Because I think I went to use the bathroom at the time. And so one of the other counselors know, knew that they were fighting about something. They weren't really like getting along. So just for that 5 to 10 minutes. So 
they were given time out and um they missed at least the first five minutes of their swimming time just because of their bad behavior at that moment um yeah so in general i would say that it's pretty hard to get kids to get along with each other um you know even more so on the buses bus rides to camp and from camp not just drama at camp um you know when drama happens on the bus that would be like with the kids hitting each other like stealing each other's toys throwing toys around the camp and everything so you know at the end of each day when i was clocking out i would say to myself these kids are sure a handful and when I say these kids, I'm just talking about the Kahagan campers who I'm in charge of. Because remember, they're the youngest group of age group of campers. But they're about kindergarten age. And I know at this moment, like I said before, they must be at kindergarten at school right now. So, And because they're the youngest, they're obviously the hardest to control sometimes. Because you guys know when you work with kids, like how they are at that age. Like when they constantly rat on each other. So... I found that to be a bit of a challenge, like, especially in some cases when it kind of was hard to keep track of them because they run around so fast. Like, kids have a lot of energy. Like, they like to run. Like, we're coming back from their cabin to change, uh, like, run down the hill. And I would tell them, guys, no running ahead of your counselors. And, like, I had to do my best to try to keep up with them because they're just so damn fast. And uh, as for the cabin for Kahagan campers their cabin where they like change into their clothes and such their cabin was located literally right across from the playground and the playground of course had the swings the slides and toy trucks and toy vehicles they could play with and so yeah and their cabin was where they would get changed for swimming and change back into their regular clothes at the end of the day and so there are two changing rooms within the cabin there's the changing room for boys, and there's another room for girls. A cabin also has the playground with toys and blocks where the Kahagan campers can play with the toys and the t other blocks. And they also have like children's books for and other books for approximately children their age that we would sometimes read to them as they were eating their snacks. And um, even at the playground, though, there would always be like drama, like. <laughs> someone didn't get it, their turn on the swings and other toys and such so yeah little kid drama never ends like you guys who work with kids you would know that drama between them just never ends but you know despite all that the little kid drama um we're always we always treat their parents or their guardians with respect when they like come to sign them in in the mornings and sign them out in the afternoons and we would usually inform their parents or family members if there were like important events or activities coming up each week so their children could be prepared for those activities. And within Kahagan, I had a really good relationship with the mother of this young girl who tends to be a bit of the drama queen. Yeah, and that little girl is black like me and she'll actually be six this month, I think. I think next week. Sometime next week she'll be six. <laughs> yeah, but again, she's black like me and she's a bit of a drama queen. But her mom is very, very nice and she's the one who came to pick her up more often and sign her out in the 
um, afternoons. A few rare occasions, the girl's dad came to pick her up, but most of the time, though, it was the mother. So, the, this girl tended to be a bit of a drama queen, and she'd always cry a lot to get whatever it is that she wanted. <laughs> and she, too, would forget stuff at camp or leave something behind, like maybe her swimming cap or her goggles, I think. Yeah, she she always needs to wear a swimming cap because her hair is naturally nappy. Um, I think at some point she may have lost her swimming goggles, but those were recovered pretty quickly. And whenever it came time for Kahagan to go swimming, this girl's mom had to remind me to make sure that the daughter was wearing her swimming cap before swimming. So to make sure that her hair didn't get all wet or damaged or rough. And so what I would do was, um, since... That girl carries her swim cap and goggles and her bug spray and other stuff with her in a Ziploc, Ziploc bag in her backpack. I would take out the Ziploc bag out of her backpack and I would take out her swim cap and her goggles. Um, sometimes she didn't really need her goggles for swimming, but, but she would wear them sometimes. But she absolutely 100% needed to wear her swim cap because her mom said that it was very important that this girl wore her swim cap so that her hair didn't get wet or damaged in the water. So sometimes I would be the one to sort of wet the cap a little bit to make it easier to put on this girl's head for her. And sometimes if I sort of had, was having trouble putting on this girl's swim cap, um, one of the other lifeguards would assist me in putting on this girl's swim cap on for her. But it was absolutely 100% essential that she wear her swim cap so her hair didn't get wet. I mean, if I were a pretty good swimmer myself, I know I would be wearing a swim cap. And also, a few of the other girls would think Kahagan also wore their swim caps, and they always remembered to wear theirs when they needed to. Um, but for some reason, with this particular girl, she just tended to sometimes forget to her swim cap and you know but you know even by the end of the day though her hair wouldn't be that all that what she just like dried up with her towel but we didn't want her mom to be upset if she didn't wear it at that time for swimming and after swim lessons when the campers had to change back into their regular clothes for another activity and such this girl and another girl in Kahagan would have a competition to see which one of them was the slowest one to get changed. Well, not a, like a literal competition, but those were the two girls that would sort of hold us back a, up a little bit. Um, because this girl would sometimes like dilly-dally around and just talk to other campers from other groups and instead of actually getting changed so that we could make it back in time for the following activity. And if we had lunchtime next, then we would tell this girl that we're going to be late for lunch if she didn't, like, hurry up. So this girl often took eons to get changed. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Like, I'd have to tell her a million times, girl, you got to put your shoes on already. Like, you can't go around camp barefooted, so you need to put on your shoes. But patience would sometimes wear thin because Kahagan campers would spend so much time fooling around with each other or playing in the sand instead of actually getting changed like they were supposed to. Like getting changed in time for the next activity on the schedule. And sometimes I like the motivation to like get these 
campers to like hurry up to like get in their face to like hurry up because they would just waste so much time doing whatever like talking to other campers running around and such so this one boy he would always fool around and I too had to remind him a million times to put on his goddamn shoes and then he'd get a little bit mad and like say okay but then I say don't tell me okay because I've asked you five minutes ago to put on your shoes and you haven't done it since so yeah of course I'm gonna get in your face until you put on your shoes like I've asked you to because like you know you're not following instructions like you're gonna hold everyone up up like we won't make it in time for the next activity unless you put on your shoes. But I mean, in most cases, though, the boys would usually the boys would usually be the first ones to be ready, like, and then just wait patiently while I get on these two girls' faces to like hurry, to hurry up, and like sometimes because they were fooling around so much, we'd be at least ten to fifteen minutes late for the next activity on our schedule. I know that at one point, though, arts and crafts was our next activity on our schedule. And so the counselor who specialized in arts and crafts and the arts and crafts room was literally right across from the beach. Um, that counselor, she had to like come down to the beach and get the kids to hurry up and put on their shoes because even I myself lacked the motivation to get these kids to hurry. So yeah, but eventually when they put on their shoes and got to get all their things and get ready, we kind of made it to arts and crafts, even if we were, were like 15 minutes late. I know at the time, though, we were about 20 minutes late for it, but I mean, at least we made it. And so I would always have to like think of ways to make sure that these kids get changed very more quickly and not waste any more time like dilly-dallying when it came to getting changed. And so the last day of camp was technically on the 20th of August, which was a Friday. But the Y has something called Encore Week, which is an extra week of camp for campers who start school a little later like at the beginning of September so since classes for me at Montclair State started on September I was definitely available to work that extra week that extra week was from the 23rd to the 27th of August to Monday through Friday so that was when you guys saw that famous Instagram post of me in that swimsuit like I said I didn't really actually physically swim but you know, I just got into the water because I wanted to get wet because um, I'm sure it must have been hot that day. And also because it was the actual last day of camp, I was just like, why not? Just let me get wet for once, you know. So, yeah, that extra week of camp was just sort of similar to regular camp, but just with fewer campers, just the ones who actually start school a little later. And so... I figured, less chaos and drama, right? I was wrong. Of course, there was still drama. Excuse me as I take another water break. <laughs> yep, and I'm back. So, this time for this extra week of camp, I was assigned to be with Girls 2, which is G2, which is another all-girls group, but with slightly older girls, who I think were between the ages of 7 through 12. Um, so that Monday, which was August 23rd, was actually the ninth birthday of one of the girls in G1. Um, she turned nine, and I definitely remember that girl from G1, because I had previously remembered I was initially assigned 
to be the counselor for G1 during the first few weeks of camp. But that August just that day in August just happened to be her birthday and she turned nine and so we all like wished her a happy birthday and she gave us girls and counselors some goodie bags. <laughs> I can't even remember the last time I ever received a goodie bag, but it felt good. The goodie bag contained candy and other stuff in it, like toys, like bubbles and whistles that the girls were obsessed with blowing. The whistling thing got to be a bit annoying though, like, you know, piercing my eardrums, but at least the girls had fun, <laughs> so that was important. In my group G2, there were only two girls. Um, there was actually a total of six girls on my list of G2 campers, but four of those girls had been MIA the whole week. And it was always those same four girls, those same four names of campers who were not present at all during that extra week of camp. So in my group, there was only just those two girls. So one of the girls in G2 was the girl who was previously in G1. I remember that girl from G1. So she, she was the one in G1. I mean, she was the one in G2 right now. She's an 8-year-old girl. And um, I sort of remember her as the girl who almost forgot her water bottle. And so when I was in G1, I had to help that girl and the other girls and followed me to help that girl find her water bottle, which she eventually recovered. <laughs> yeah. And besides her, there was another girl, older girl in the group, a 12-year-old girl. Um, who just turned 12 sometime in August. Um, yeah, so it was just those two girls. And there was a third girl in my group. Uh, um, a third girl who joined G2. And that third girl who came to join my group of G2, she was previously in G1, but they had that girl be assigned to G2 instead so that that counselor for G1 didn't feel like overwhelmed with all having so many girls at once and I think in G1 there was also eight as well so so for now that means that in my group of G2 I had only three girls all together and those same four girls who were AWOL all throughout if they had been present that would have given me all seven girls all together but it was always those four same girls who were absent all throughout <laughs> those same four girls which I thought was very weird because why would these girls parents register these children of theirs for that extra week of camp and not even bother to make sure that these children actually physically attend camp so that literally made no sense to me, so... I also was very weird that it was always those same four girls all through the week. Those same four girls. Like, I expected at least two of those four girls to be present maybe on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. But, you know, when it came to Friday, it, uh, it became pretty obvious to me that I wasn't going to see these four other girls at all. Like, you know, it was the possibility that came to me that it was just just these three girls who are present in my group that those are the ones that I would be with for now so but the good part was at least it was a very small group I didn't mind it at all so but that wasn't the drama of course though 
Um, the drama was that one of the girls was in the in G two was gossiping gossiping about another girl. The girl, the eight year old girl from G one, whom I known from G one. Um, she was the one who was gossiping about the other girl who'd recently like joined my G two group from G one for this extra week of camp. Um, so that girl was gossiping about this girl. So that was a little bit of drama. A little bit of a girl drama at that point. Um, and that kind of surprised me. Because that girl from G1. The 8 year old girl. Um, I really consider her to be like a very sweet girl. Like I was kind of surprised that she was gossiping about someone. Like I said to myself. She used to be such a sweet girl when she was in G1. Like. Why would she now be gossiping about someone else right now? So that didn't make sense to me about why they would, she would do that. Like, why the gossiping? Like, why can't we all just get along? But anyway, like, they, I mean, they're girls, obviously. They learn to become good friends again. Um, that girl, that eight-year-old girl apologized to the other girl for gossiping about her. And, you know, they became friends again pretty quickly. I like that they reconciled pretty quickly and kind of worked it out themselves because I actually wasn't aware that that girl had been gossiping about her like I feel like I maybe should have been a bit more aware of that but I mean as a counselor though there was only so much that you can do as a counselor but um but I mean it helps me to learn to read other people more properly and carefully like to read them in terms of like their personality and their body language that sort of helped me with that so I'm really glad that those girls those two girls became friends again and were sort of able to like have fun for the rest of that extra week and um of course as you guys know my birthday was on was on August 5th which was a Thursday and um as usual, of course, I chose to come to work that day because I really wanted to. And also that Friday was our payday anyway, so my broke ass really needed the money. Everyone at camp wished me happy birthday all, all through the rest of the day. Like the other counselors, the staff, even the campers. Not just within Cahagan though, and not just only within my blue team at Cahagan, but everyone else, other campers at Cahagan, the other Cahagan counselors, and every single camper from all the age groups, including, like, the older kids, they all wished me happy birthdays, including, like, some of the parents of the kids, including, including the mom of that little girl, whom I have to remind about her swim cap, including that mom. She also asked me, like, what I was doing tonight and I had to tell her that my family was taking me out tonight so yeah it felt good to receive all the attention and all the birthday wishes and such but like unfortunately though I obviously couldn't stay the whole time um because on the bus ride back to the Y so that the campers could be signed out I told my supervisors that I needed to leave early so that I could go home and shower make myself pretty enough and get dressed for when my family takes me out to a nice dinner at olive garden which as you guys know is my favorite restaurant and so everyone understands that everyone understood that i need to leave early and so my assistant supervisor was the one who filled in for me to have the 
campers in Cahagan Blue signed out by their parents. So, yeah. So for me, though, it was a very nice night out. Um, my family took me out. Um, you know, I turned 24, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm also grateful to have the opportunity to talk about that here on this episode. So, yeah, it was a very fun, productive summer for me, all in all. But sometimes, though, I wish I could have at least taken a little bit of a vacation, just for a little while. At least before the semester started again at Montclair State. Like, in the end, though, I had a really fun time working with the kids. The best part of it was the Cahagan campers. Like, they're so adorable. Like, on the bus rides to camp and coming home from camp, they would constantly sing, like, random songs. Like, the chicken wings, chicken wings, chicken macaroni song that they made up. And they sing all types of songs from, like, famous celebrities. I know some girls were singing the Bad Romance song by Lady Gaga and the Blinding Lights song by um, The Weeknd. And most importantly, they would all sing the YMCA song. YMCA! They'd go like that, and i just, like, start laughing my ass off because it's so hilarious and adorable. And also, I had the YMCA song stuck in my head almost every day, and so that's what it reminded me of when I was working at the Y, the famous song by the group in the 70s. So, yeah. I had fun with these kids, and I just know that they also had fun with me, too, because I was constantly laughing a lot, and I think they're all drawn to it, to my constant laughter and always smiling and happy, so, yeah, it was good times. But I'm not really sure, though, if I want to work there again next summer. I mean, I want to consider it as a possibility, but only this time I probably won't do that extra week, the encore week. Um... Just because I like to have a little bit of vacation, bit of a vacation for once. Um, because for a summer camp job like the YMCA, you can't have, you can't really like take off for holidays and vacations, which sucks. Uh, but I think it's their way of saying that they're like a summer school, so all staff members need to be present from Mondays to Fridays. So even being off on only the weekends just isn't enough. But I, but I want to. I want to leave that as a possibility to work there again next summer because I really, really 100% hope that I want to find a full-time job, like an actual job within my department, you know, like whether in journalism or any sort of media or somewhere in public relations or anything at all like in, within me and communications. That's really what I hope to have a full-time job in, so... Um, during the last week of regular camp, though, that last week from the 16th through the 20th, um, sometime during that week, um, no, I mean, actually before that, though, um, it was on the 30th of July, if I recall very well, um, I received a job interview offer with PIX11 News for the full-time position of assignment editor. And I don't remember exactly when it was that I applied for that position, but I know it must have been a few weeks prior. Um, it was just a phone interview because I wasn't available to do it through Zoom. And the interviewer said that he had to go on vacation within the following week. So I just agreed to do a phone interview instead just because it was quicker and more convenient. 
And um, I sort of let him know that I was only available to, to do the interview through telephone because I was still working part-time at the Y. And the times that he scheduled for me to do do the interview through Zoom um, were the times that I was still working at the Y. So, yeah. Um, he said that he would get in touch with me by the 20th of August, which is exactly three weeks after the time I got had that interview with him through phone. Um, because he said that he had to be on vacation and that I could hear back within that last week of camp. Again, that last week of regular camp was from the 16th of Monday through the 20th Friday. But of course, as usual, I got ghosted by the interviewer after the first two weeks. Like, I actually did send him a follow-up email asking if asking for like in like this how do I how do I say this like a status update for my interview like I also did say in the email that I was willing to do other available positions even if not the one that I had that interview with him for but I still haven't heard back from him yet and even up until this very moment in time so I figured that he ghosted me so that it probably isn't worth it because I probably didn't receive it so yeah it has been a bit of a challenge for me to find something full-time because I don't know I'm not sure why I'm not hearing back but if you guys have any suggestions as to why I'm not hearing back feel free to let me know by commenting on my show and such but if I at least have have half of that shit together and terms of actually being employed full-time within whatever career field that I choose within journalism or something then um that would be the next step into making something of myself but I'm not gonna rush it though but I know that once I I have that aspect of my life together and you know when the time is right then maybe I'll settle myself down with someone who will I will consider to be a soulmate or a lifelong partner. And um, yeah, that's my hopes and dreams for my future. Where I see myself within 5 to 10 years from now. And um, that's what I will wrap this episode up with. I understand that I've been rambling for a very long time. And that my throat is getting a bit sore from all that talking. But it is worth it for me to do this episode. Because I haven't done an episode in over a year, so I need to get every single piece of information out. So right now it's almost 3 p.m. on Wednesday, October 13th. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback about my show, um, please don't be afraid to hit me up on Facebook or Instagram and at a million other social media um, sites. Um, I'm really active on Instagram, and I have two accounts. My personal, which is Summer Girl of '97, um, that's S U M M E R G I R L O F nine seven Summer Girl of '97, and my professional, which is Sarah underscore Journalist. Again, that's my name, Sarah S A R A H underscore and the word Journalist. Um, I've never done this before um, by teasing the next episode, but I'm just going to say this, say this, um, 
while this episode was lighthearted and fun because I was talking about the why and the fun times I had with the kids, um, the next episode I'm gonna be talking about something a little bit more serious. Um, yeah, that's right. You heard me. Um, uh, I don't want to give too much away, um, because I want to make some time to write the script for that next episode. Um, what I talk about is very important, um, because it's going to be about someone in my life. Um, I'm kind of in conflict with this person, and, um, I feel like I'm going to need some advice or assistance on how to deal with this person, um, if I'm doing the right thing by cutting them out of my life, or at least trying to cut them out of my life. Um, um, anyway, that's all until the next episode. Um, just listen to the episode for yourself and find out. Um, but in the meantime, though, I really wish all of you guys the best of luck with whatever it is you're doing at the moment. And um, I'll get back in touch with you once... Once I have written down the script for the following episode. So take care of yourselves and enjoy the rest of your day.